Luke chapter 7, beginning in verse number 36 and reading through to the end of the chapter, verse number 50. This is the word of God. One of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house and took his place at the table. And behold, a woman of the city, who was a sinner, when she learned that he was reclining at table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment. And standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Now, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who was touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answering said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, Say it, teacher. A certain moneylender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon answered, the one I suppose for whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, you have judged rightly. Then, turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much. But he who is forgiven little loves little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Then those who were at table with him began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. This is the word of God. Father, we come to you with thanksgiving and joy and praise and worship. Lord, here's our heart. We surrender. We want to surrender everything to you. Would you accomplish it by your perfect word, by the presence and power of your spirit? Nothing in my hand I bring. Simply to the cross I cling. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Tanner, would you bring the Kleenex, please, brother? Would you bring the Kleenex? There are three main... No, not a, uh, somebody don't want me to wipe my nose on that jacket. Bring me a clean... clean. <laughs> I would do it now. Don't, hey, don't test me. I would do it. Mother would be so proud. Maybe she's not watching this on the, video, on the computer right now. Thank you, Tanner. Thank you. I love Tanner McKnight. I do. I love him. If you want to be blessed, hang around him. That brother will bless you. Jesus looks good on you, Tanner. Praise God. There are three main characters in this story. Three main characters in this story. Number first, a really, really religious man, Simon by name, a Pharisee. Number next, a really, really, really bad woman. No name is given. Some say Mary of Bethany, others say Mary Magdalene, could be either, but probably neither. Just an unnamed woman who lands by God's sovereign plan in his perfect, inspired, and errant, infallible word, Luke chapter 7, and we just read the account of her life in 2015. And number three, a man who is not religious and has never been bad, never, not once, has he done or thought anything wrong? Jesus, Son of God and Son of Man. First, there's a man who could never amass enough good works. If he had nine lives to live, he would never be able to accomplish enough good works in order to satisfy God. He's always striving. He's always working. He achieves, but he never can quite arrive. Second, a woman who struggles to ever do anything good. She's broken down, busted up, abused, and used. And finally, a man who is altogether good. Perfect in what he does because he's perfect in who he is. His name is Jesus. Amen. They're the good, the badder, and the best. So let's look at it. Verse number 36. One of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. Two things, two things I can reasonably expect if I invite someone into my home. Number first, we're going to enjoy a good meal. Miss Laura can cook. Might be chili, grilled chicken, mean asparagus casserole. Don't hate on it till you try it. But we're going to have good food around the table. And number next, at the end of the evening, the guest is going to leave my house. 
hey, I love you, I appreciate you, but you got to go. A brother got to get some sleep. <laughs> it's nice for me to invite them. It's appropriate for me to invite them. But it isn't a long-term investment. The guest is just that, a guest. They aren't a member of my family. We shouldn't be too impressed with the Pharisees' invitation. It wasn't hospitality that motivated them. Curiosity, maybe. Hostility, probably. Either way, they eat, they talk, he's out of there. It's not a long-term investment. The Pharisee invited Jesus into his kitchen, not into his life. That's what good folk do, y'all. That's what good folk do. Brothers and sisters, that's what good folk do. They invite Jesus to be a part of their life. Hey, Jesus, I really enjoyed hanging out at church with you today. That Bible study sure was enlightening, Jesus. Beth Moore is the bum. It's a peripheral relationship, not an all-consuming relationship. But see, that's not how God rolls. God says, you shall love me with all of your heart, with all of your mind, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength. He says, you shall have no other gods before me. He says, I am a jealous God. God expects to be first because he is God. God is not a guest. He is the master. Verse 36 goes on to say, and he went into the Pharisee's house and took his place at the table. See, even though the Pharisee's motives were cockeyed, how many know that Jesus is not a respecter of persons? Anybody glad about that? Say amen. amen. Thank you, Lord. He accepted the invitation of a person that belonged to the religious group that absolutely despised him, and ultimately that same group would help lead and pave the way to his crucifixion, the Pharisees. That's the thing about Jesus. He'll accept the offer of a fellowship from anyone who is willing to invite him. Jesus accepts invitations from people we wouldn't accept invitations from. He says, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. If anyone is thirsty, let him come. All who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Look back at verse 34. This isn't even in our text. Look at verse 34. The Son of Man has come eating and drinking, and you say, look at him, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Jesus will eat with 
anybody, even me, even you. Verse 37 says, and behold. That's like a church word, and behold. Let me break it down for you, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Read it like this. Well, look at him. Mm. 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 Now, ain't this something? Or maybe you would say it like this. Oh, my goodness, you're not going to believe this. Do you know what I heard about her? Now, I don't want to gossip, but you should probably be aware So what are we beholding? Verse 37 says, a woman of the city who was a sinner. The double whammy. A woman and a sinner. What do we have for the woman? In case we missed it, when she's described as a woman of the city, they wanted to clear things up by letting us know that she's a sinner, not just any old sinner. This is not your garden variety sinner. This lady is a grade A, genuine, bona fide, world-class super sinner. So maybe the Pharisees thought it, but this lady, she did it. Maybe they considered what it might feel like. But she had lived out every dirty detail. Every despicable imagination was a reality in her life. This was no novice in the world of bad behavior. She was a card-carrying charter member of the Bad Girls Club. This is a woman of ill repute. The question is not what she did, but what she didn't do. She's bad. And I don't mean like bad meaning good. She knows it. Everybody knows it. The only difference in her and Simon is everybody knows her stuff. And Simon is a professional, is covering it up. So it looks really, really good to every single person around him except the one that matters, God himself. And Simon ain't fooling God. Verse 37 says, when she learned that he was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, it's interesting to me that even though the woman is characterized in such a way because the scripture is very clear that she's a very bad lady, that she recognizes where to find help. Sometimes the people at the bottom are the only ones that have the sense enough to look up. The psalmist says, I will lift up my eyes unto the hills from which cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord, maker of heaven and earth. The psalmist says in another place, I waited patiently for the Lord. 
He inclined and heard my cry. He lifted me out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay. I will sing a new song. Not only does she know where to find help, she's made an uninvited appearance in the home of a Pharisee in order to bring her parched soul to the fountain of living water. But verse 37 goes on, not only did she come, but she came bearing a gift, an alabaster flask of ointment. We don't know where she got it. Maybe it was a gift of one of her many suitors. Maybe it was payment for her services. Maybe it was something she purchased in order to lure willing men into her web. Whatever it was and wherever it came from, it was about to become an article of worship. She brought what she had and offered it to the Lord. Somebody here tonight needs to bring what you have and offer it to the Lord. Say, David, I haven't been using, I haven't been using that like I should be. I hadn't been, I really, I haven't been using it at all. Listen, you don't need to let the enemy from this moment take one more ounce of glory from the God who gave you your gifts, your calling, and your resources. Tell him, get to step in. Shut to the up, devil. Bring it, bring it, bring it, bring it, bring it. David, it's so small. Little as much when God is in it. Verse 38 says, and standing behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. The woman was not hindered, impeded, or self-conscious about what happened next. She approaches the object of her attention, that is Jesus. She bows at his feet and overcome with emotion, she begins weeping over her past sin and giving thanks for her present situation that's what sinners do in the presence of the Lord we bitterly over sin and rejoice greatly in the forgiveness that the Savior offers the woman attaches the object of her glory which is her hair to the most humble object of her Savior's, his feet, which was a no-no. But when Jesus has done something in your life, you don't even really care anymore. With her tears and her hair, she cleans the feet of Jesus. With every wipe, she recognizes her own filth and unworthiness. With every drop of water from her eyes, she feels the washing of his mercy and grace through the forgiveness of her sin. And having been forgiven much, she anoints his feet with the ointment as an act of thanksgiving and worship and love. 
having had all the grime and decay and disgust and abuse washed away by the Lord Jesus, she worships him. Somebody, hey, somebody in here needs to bring their stuff to Jesus tonight, 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 right now. Bring it. Verse 39, when the, now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for he, she is a sinner. And here we go. The one who had invited Jesus into his home out of the goodness of his heart has been overrun with an unplanned, uninvited, and unwanted mess. And although the offense was initiated by the sinful woman, it turns quickly to questions about the saving man himself, Jesus. The one who accepted the invitation to come into his home. The one who so willingly joined him for food and fellowship around this table. The son of God at a meal with a member of the group that hated him the most. Simon assumed that if Jesus were a prophet, he would know that this was a messed up lady. And if he knew how messed up this lady was, he wouldn't let her anywhere near him. And if he let her touch him, then he must be ignorant and definitely not a prophet. Now, Jesus is a lot of things, but evil and ignorant are not two of them. If ignorant, not a prophet. If evil, not the Son of God. See, Jesus' understanding of who the woman was is not hampered in any way. After all, he created her in her mother's womb. He chose her before the foundation of the world. He's not caught off guard by who the woman is. But the Pharisee isn't aware of that, nor would he be satisfied with that. He wants her out of his house, and he wants Jesus to be the one to put her out. He sees clearly the sin in her life, all the while ignoring the sin in his own. Some of us need to repent tonight. Stop repent, trying to repent for somebody else's dumb stuff they've done and repent for our own dumb stuff. We got plenty of dumb on our own to worry about somebody else's dumb. The Pharisees fail like so many good people before him to see that Jesus welcomes sinners. Jesus is the friend of sinners. The Bible says that while we were sinners, Christ die for us verse 40 says and Jesus answering said to him Simon I have something to say to you and he answered say it teacher Jesus being Jesus addresses an issue to disprove Simon's assumption that is namely that Jesus is an ignoramus and not a prophet by verbalizing what the Pharisee only thought and here's how Jesus answered him certain money lender had two debtors one owed 500 denarii and the other 50 500 was one year's wage 50 was two months wages one debt's relatively small one debt is huge it doesn't matter that one owed a little and one owed a lot what mattered is that both owed and neither could pay 
And verse 42 goes on. Both debtors owed money, and neither could pay, repay the debt. Both were guilty. Both needed relief. The money lender forgives both loans. No payback, no trouble. By forgiving their debt, the money lender takes on their debt. See, somebody has to eat it. Somebody's got to come through on the debt. The debtors can't pay. So the money lender steps in to do for the debtors what they could not do for themselves. That's what God does. God made him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to become sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. Praise the Lord. Jesus asked which one of them will love him more. Which debtor is going to be more thankful? Which debtor will be most overwhelmed? Which debtor is going to love his moneylender most? And the Pharisee answers, in my mind it sounds like a spoiled brat in his voice, well, I suppose what he forgave the money. I don't know if that's how he said it. And Jesus said, you're right. Simon's blind, but he's not dumb. 44 to 46 said, then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. The bell rings, and Jesus takes Simon to school. Simon's going to Jesus' school. What should have been done by the host was left for the uninvited guests. What should have been the normal action and activity of the good person was taken up instead by a woman whose life was marked by major mess-ups. Somebody has some major mess-ups, and you need to know that Jesus can handle your stuff. Simon provided no water, no oil, and no kiss. The woman gave Jesus her best, her tears, her hair, her expensive ointment, and her love. Verse 47 says, Therefore I tell you, her sins which are many are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little loves little. Jesus acknowledges the woman's sin. There's definitely sin, and not just a little, a whole bunch. He doesn't minimize her sin. He calls it what it is and then connects the dots between her weight of guilt, her shackles of sin, her helpless state, and his bottomless ocean of love. Her sin does not cause Jesus to run away. It is the very thing that draws him to her in love. Her worship of the Savior is deeper because she recognizes who she is without Him and what she becomes through Him. A whole lot of forgiveness equals a whole lot of love. Those who think they're pretty good, which is a bunch of us, but think Jesus needs to be tacked on to make everything complete, don't really get forgiveness at all. 
Their worship is small because their view of their own sin is small. And when their view of their own sin is small, their view of a holy God is small. Small sin plus a small Savior equals anemic worship. Simon's lack of love for Jesus and for the woman proves he hasn't truly experienced forgiveness at all. This isn't even on here. This is free. Are you mad as a hornet all the time at folk? Does everybody in the world, including mama, get on your nerves? Ask God, have you experienced the forgiveness that he has offered to you in Christ Jesus? Mary's extravagant love is proof of her recognition of who Jesus is and who she is. Jesus himself says, I didn't come to help the well, I came to help the sick. The Pharisee who fakes wellness receives no help. The woman, sin sick and sorrowful, receives complete healing. Verse 48 says, and he said to her, your sins are forgiven. The woman who doesn't expect much and doesn't feel worthy of anything gets the very thing she needs. That is confirmation of her forgiveness and a love relationship with God through Christ Jesus. There's some others sitting around there, and they chime in because piling in on top of Jesus is always better when you can have somebody come along with you, right? Verse number 50 says, and he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Jesus isn't bothered by those, those others or by Simon. He sends the woman away declaring peace in her life through the forgiveness of sin that comes through faith. No Jesus, no peace. No Jesus, no peace. It is not because of her love and good works that she receives peace, it is because she places her faith in Christ and receives his forgiveness that she expresses such profound love and deeds. It is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ Jesus alone, that a person is forgiven. And true forgiveness produces deep, abiding love and devotion and worship for God. The good Pharisee had worked all his life to be pleasing to the Lord, but he would never measure up apart from the work of Christ. The bad woman who was overwhelmed by amazing grace will never stop loving God because he'd given her his best in Jesus. Tonight, some of you have a gift, a calling, a resource that you need to bring and offer to the Lord. It's an act not only of obedience, but an act of worship. Some of you have been playing good so long that you've almost fooled even yourself. And you need to stop relying on your good works because the end, they'll be burned up like wood, hay, and stubble. Only Jesus can set you free. Forsake your good works and trust in Christ. And by devotion and submission to Christ, he will produce in you the good works that you're always trying so hard to accomplish.
And some of us are just plumb bad. We lie all the time, gossiping all the time, cheating on our spouses, provoking our children, dishonoring our parents, getting drunk, getting stoned, and all manner who knows what. And the Bible says if you think it, you did it. And some of us need to bring our bad to the good feet of the Lord Jesus and let him cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And we need to do it today. We need to do these things today. Today is the accepted time of salvation. Today is the day. Turn from sin. Trust in Christ. He is good. He is holy. He is worthy. Father, here's our heart. Lord, we want to surrender all to you. We confess that it's difficult because our flesh is strong, but we thank you, Lord, that we have been crucified with Christ and it's no longer us who lives, but Christ Jesus who lives in us. God, we thank you that you're big enough to overcome the good act that we put on to redeem us and set us free. We thank you, Lord, that you can take liars and adulterers and make them your own. Lord, we need you. Cause us to love you. Convict us of sin. Help us offer everything we have to you. Our gifts, our calling, our resources, our parenting, our jobs, our families. They belong to you. You're the only one worth it. Have your way, Lord, as we respond. In Jesus' name.